of it a bit like this. Imagine going into a restaurant, okay? So I go into a restaurant, and I have my meal. I like the look of that new Greek place in, in town. I go in, and I have my meal, and then the waiter comes at the end, and he says to me, oh, uh, I say, can I have the bill, please? He said, well, actually, Mr. Hewitt, something really strange happened yesterday. This gentleman came in, and he gave me a check, and he said, whatever Damien eats today, just, just write the check out. I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. And then he said, well, actually, Mr. Hewitt, it's a little bit better than that, because he actually went back through our books since you started eating here, and he's given me a check for all of that, so I've got to credit your account a little bit. I'd be like, this is incredible. Well, actually, Mr. Hewitt, it's a little bit better again. He had a look, and what he's done now is he's given me a blank check that until he comes again, whatever you eat, he's just going to write the credited out. That is what these guys understand, the love of God for them, how passionate he is. I don't know about you, but if somebody had written me those checks and recredited my account and put me in credit, I would want to get to know that person. I would want to pursue them. I would want to know everything I could about them. I mean, I would track them down like a, I don't know what. I would track them down and find out about them. And that is what our relationship with Jesus is. It's a tracking down. It's a finding out. It's a discovering each and every day just how wide, how deep his love is for every single one of us. 985 million decisions in your life. Make sure one of them is to know Jesus. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26, or 24 actually, if we've got it. Here we go. So then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's what these guys are doing today. They're taking up their cross. When I first read this, I thought, man, that's scary, because when I think of cross, I think of what Christ went through. I think of a man who was born, lived a sinless life, but then was beaten, was abused, had a crown of thorns put upon him, and then ultimately ended up on the cross, dying there for my sins. And I'm thinking, that's quite the cross to bear. But it says, pick up your cross, not his cross, because you could never do what he did, thank God. So what is our cross then? Do you know, there's a point in your life where you were born. There is a point in your life where you will die. There are 985 million decisions along the way. One of them needs to be to pick up our cross. I love Liverpool. Okay, put your hand up for you're a Man United supporter. You're wrong. Okay, so I, I love Liverpool, okay? I am passionate about Liverpool. Yesterday, I'm listening to um, Liverpool against Nottingham Forest on the radio, and I mean, I'm on my knees in the kitchen. Sharon's looking at me like I'm crazy. It's the last corner of the game. There's a minute left, and they say the keepers come up. I'm like, come on, do it again. Get your head on it, son. But then we end up losing 1-0, and I mean, like, I'm picking myself up off the floor. The dog's looking at me like, what is the matter with you? But I'm passionate about Liverpool. I mean, if I had a shirt to wear, if they weren't £75, which is really annoying, then I would wear it with passion. I would kiss the badge. It would matter to me. If I had an opportunity to play for Liverpool, wow, I mean, I would roll back the years. I would be knocking passes like Gerard. I would be spectacular because I am that passionate about wanting to do it. And that is what these guys are doing. They are passionately pursuing Jesus. They are pulling on the shirt. They are today standing here and saying, I am proud to be a believer in Jesus Christ. 
I love the story in 1 Timothy 4.12 where Paul's writing to a young pastor, a young pastor who's taken over a large congregation, and he writes to him and he says this, let no one despise your youth. Okay, firstly, let no one despise your youth. He's not talking to a 12-year-old child here, although it can work in that context. He's talking to a young pastor. He's talking to young believers, if we want to read it that way. He's talking to people of new in the faith or just getting baptized. And he says, let no one despise that. Let no one look down upon you because of that. But be an example to the believers in word, conduct, faith, spirit, and purity. Be an example to the believers. You guys are newly saved or you're just getting baptized or you're young. You are the fireworks that should ignite us old ones that have been sat on a pew for 20 years. Maybe you've got a bit religious. Maybe we've got a bit stuck in our ways. Well, you guys come through. You should bring that enthusiasm. You are as much a part of the church as, as somebody who's been in the church for 20 years. You bring the fire that sets us, reminds us to fan ourselves into flame. That is picking up your cross. Making decisions in line with the word of God and wanting his way. Because whoever or whatever you think of Jesus, you can't deny he existed. Whether you think he was just a man or whether you think he was the son of God, there are so many historical accounts outside of the Bible that prove him to have been true. But he doesn't really afford us the opportunity to say, oh, he was just a man. Because this is a man who walked around and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to heaven unless you come through me. You can't have a relationship with God unless you have it through me. That, that's a big statement. That's not a statement of an average Joe. Do you imagine if I went into Morrison's on Saturday afternoon when, you know, the groceries are flying out and I stand there and say, no one can get to heaven except through me. You know what's going to happen? Firstly, I'm going to go viral on Facebook for all the wrong reasons. And secondly, people in white coats are going to be knocking on my door really quickly. So what Jesus says is, you've got a choice to make of who you think I am. 985 million decisions. Make sure one of them is to follow Jesus. Once a captain of a huge Navy battleship saw a dot on his radar in the middle of the night. He radioed, please divert your course 15 degrees north to avoid a collision. The response came back, we recommend you divert 15 degrees south to avoid the collision. The captain said, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say to you again, divert your course. The response came back, I am a private. I ask you to divert your course. Now an extremely agitated captain came back again. I am the captain of the largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand you change your course 15 degrees north. Otherwise, countermeasures will be taken to ensure the safety of this ship. The response came back. This is a lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> we have to be so careful that our pride doesn't get in the way of us accepting Jesus. We have to be so careful that we think we know better when actually there is someone who created us that is desperate for a relationship, that is madly and truly and deeply in love with each and every one of us. 985 million decisions. One of them needs to be to pursue Jesus. 
next scripture is Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17. I love this scripture. And when you read scripture, try and, try and think of it, not just as, oh, this is, this is super holy, but try and think of it as it is. This scripture says that Jesus and his disciples were walking to Caesarea Philippi. Now, you've got to think that these disciples were um, fishermen, and they had, they had normal jobs before they started following Jesus. So this was a group of guys having a laugh, walking together. They would have been jesting. Matthew was a tax collector, so he probably would have been the butt of 90% of the jokes. You know, they were blokes talking together. And then Jesus turns to them, and he says to them, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Notice they are, they are just giving random answers. Today, I'm pretty sure if that was us, we'd get our phones, we'd, we'd go onto Facebook, we'd go onto Insta, we'd type it into Google, and we'd find out what was hashtagging. Oh, hashtag prophet. Jesus, they say you're a prophet. But then Jesus flipped the whole thing, and he made it personal. No longer was he asking them, what do they say? He turns to them and he says, who do you say that I am? All of a sudden, the disciples, no longer desperate to give an answer, uh, looking at their feet, looking around. And it's Peter that has the confidence to say, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter nailed it. He got it in that moment. Jesus turned to him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed, not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You see, revelation goes beyond academic knowledge. We can all have an academic knowledge of who Jesus was. Stuff we've learned in school, Sunday school, TV, songs of praise. We can go to church our whole lives and not really get it. It goes beyond what our parents say, goes beyond what the church preacher says. It's a personal revelation that we need that cannot be shaken. That is what these guys that are getting baptized today have. 985 million decisions. Make sure one of them is to follow Jesus. The revelation that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth and became the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us, that there was a gap between us and the Father, and Jesus came and he bridged it, and he said, all you've got to do is believe in him, accept his sacrifice, make him Lord. He is saying today, who am I to you? I love the scripture in the Garden of Eden after they've messed up Adam and Eve and they've eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they're hiding. And God says, where are you? He's not asking them physically where they are. He's God, okay? He knew where they were. He was saying, where are you in relationship with me? And that is the same question that God is asking each and every one of us, no matter how long we've gone to church, he is asking us today, where are you with me? Where are you in your relationship? Because he is somewhere. For everyone in this room, he is, I like to think of it in, one, in this way. He's in one of four places. I like to think of my life as a bit like a car. A car goes from the moment I, I'm born to the moment I die, okay? That's my traveling. That's my life. Now, during that journey, at some point, he's outside of that car. He's not in my life. I've not invited him in my life. He's knocking on the window. He's saying, can I come in? Can I help you? Can I, can I help you get to where you, you need to go? And then it's our decision. We can either say, yep. Come into my life, I make you my savior. Or we can say, no, you're okay, Jesus, off I go, boom, boom. That's our choice. The second place he can be is in the back seat. 
So we say, yeah, come into my life, Jesus. But then actually we, we want to ignore him and we want to keep him on the back seat. And we say, you know, I'll listen to some of the things you say, but actually I'm not going to listen to much. You know what it's like when you, you're driving and you've got somebody in the back seat and they keep talking. Eventually you just want to go, shh, because they're winding you up. We can allow Jesus into our life, but when we don't put him where he needs to be, we can end up shushing him. Now, the next place we can put him is in the front seat right next to us. Now, if he's in the front seat right next to us, we're probably listening to him more. We're probably conversing and talking. Maybe the guy next to us is looking through a map or watching the sat-nav. But ultimately, our hands are still on the wheel. So you need to turn left at the end. Oh, I'm pretty sure last time I went right. Ah, blow it. I'm going to go right. So we've still got that. Fourth place he can be is we can get out to the driver's seat. We can sit in the passenger seat. And we can let him drive. And then we end up going where he wants us to. We end up doing what he wants us to do. We end up living for him. And that is what these guys have done today. They have made a decision to allow Jesus to be the one that takes them forward in their life. The one that is going to be there for them. Is going to encourage them. Is going to, when they make the mistakes, which we all do over and over, he's the one that's going to help them come away from that. Jesus' sacrifice was perfect. You know, there is nothing you can do apart from believe in Jesus, ask him into your life, and make him Lord and Savior. There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It was done on the cross. I often think of it a bit like this. It, imagine going to France, and I walk into the, the Louvre Museum, and I say, I'd like to see the Moaning Lisa, please. And then so, um, sorry, Mona Lisa. And so they take me so they take me in, and there's this priceless painting, and I'm looking at it going, that's cool. Hang on, where's my biro? And so I start to, I don't like it, the, the way her lips are, so I give her a bit of a smile. And I think, oh, maybe her, her eye could be a little more black, so I color it in a little bit. What have I done? I've defaced something that, in the world's eyes, is priceless. That's why we've got to realize it's not about earning our salvation or doing or having more good things than bad things in our life so Jesus will accept us. No, it's about accepting him and saying, I want you in my life. I accept that what you did is the perfect sacrifice. You are the perfect lamb without spot, without blemish, and I want you in my life. That's what these guys have done. You see, Jesus' sacrifice was priceless, and yet it is free to receive. It costs us nothing, but requires us to give up our lives. These guys have swapped, swapped a life without him for a life with him. They've swapped the life where sin was destroying them to one where they are set free. They have swapped the life that would result in an eternity in hell for one that results in an eternity with God in heaven. They have pulled on their shirt. They have nailed their colors to the mast. They have chosen to be the people that they were created to be. And they have chosen to allow their creator to lead their lives with them. How? By saying, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change me. Wash me. Help me live for you. 985 million decisions. And one of them they made was the right one. They have, as many of us do, the same revelation that Peter had. Do you know, God doesn't want you today focused on your sin and on your mess-ups. He doesn't want you focused on them. 
He wants you focused on the Son and His sacrifice. Because when we're focused on Jesus and what He did, then we realize the freedom that we can live our lives in. He wants us focused on Christ and what He has done for us. So I'm going to finish with one question. Bet you can't guess what it is. So Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? I want everybody in this room just to think that for themselves today. Who do you say that I am? Can I ask everybody really quickly just to bow your heads and close your eyes and, you know, nobody will steal your wallet, I promise. I believe that Jesus is asking you today, who do you say that I am? And there may be people in here that have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. They've never said, you know what, I want Jesus in my life. You may have been the one that has kept him on the outside for your entire life. You may be the one that has ignored as he's knocked on the windscreen over and over. Well, today Jesus is saying, I want you to know that you are welcome in my family. I am passionate about you. I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And while no one's looking right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer. And I'd like everybody in the room to pray it. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful for what you did on the cross. I'm so grateful that you rose again. I'm so grateful that that sacrifice was for me. I accept you today. I ask you into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, while every, every eye is still closed and every, eye still look, uh, every head still bowed, if you made that decision for the first time today, I don't want to embarrass you, but there's something just like these guys are getting up into the pool today. There's something incredible about acknowledging that. So if I count to three, just raise your hand where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to be able to pray out loud with nobody else here for you. One, all you've got to do on three is raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time. One, two, three. Thank you, that's incredible. Thank you. He is for you, not against you. Thank you, I see the hands. Thank you, mate. Awesome, thank you, mate. Father God, we thank you for those four people that have made that first decision for you today. We pray, Father God, that from this moment they would know your presence. They would know that you are with them, that you are for them, that you are passionately, madly, and deeply in love with them. That they would pursue you now. That they would choose to go after you. That they would know that that price has been paid for them and now they just want to get closer to you. They want to know more about you. Father God, and I pray as a church family that we can get around them and look after them and help them and disciple them and be there for them. And Father God, we are so grateful that right now, heaven is rejoicing. In Jesus' name. Amen. As pastor... Oh, oh to God. 
as pastor comes up, can I just say for those four people, if you can come see pastor or one of the leadership team at the end of the service, just to make yourself known, that would be awesome. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't delay. Today could be the best day of your life. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Amen. And so let's take on board all those words we heard this morning. And for all of us, like Damien said, who've known the Lord, perhaps today let that fire burn afresh again. We are on the greatest journey any human being can embark on, knowing Him and making Him known to a world that still does not know Him. Let's not forget our greatest mission on planet Earth is doing everything we're called to do, but letting people know there is a Lord there is a Savior who can save you not just for this life, but for all eternity. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him one more praise. He's, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Okay. So we're now going to go into the next part, which is the actual water baptisms. I'm going to ask uh, Phil Johnson and Steve Thomas, uh, two of our elders who are going to help us to go into the pool. Uh, and what we're going to do is I'm going to call each one out who are the ones getting water baptized. We're going to play a little one-minute uh, video of their story, and then we're going to get them water baptized. Is, this, is the water warm enough, Steve? Do you just... It's <laughs> yeah. Get it more cold like how it is back home in India. Okay. And so again, for those who are witnessing something like this for the first time, water baptism is the external declaration, the external act of declaring what they've already experienced on the inside, a decision, a conviction uh, that they have on the inside. And so when they dunk them, as we say, into the water... It's actually them symbolizing we are dying to our former life and coming out of the water, out of the water, a brand new creation. We're putting our former life behind us and running for the rest of our life with Jesus. We've got all the kids here as well who are witnessing. And if we could keep the, yeah, if you guys sit, that would be absolutely fantastic so that everyone else can uh, have, have a good sight. Okay, so the first person getting water baptized this morning. That was amazing, wasn't it? Brilliant. 